I am really honored to be able to do what we're about to do. Um, we have a, 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 a speaker who's not special in the sense that he's a guest because he is a, he's a pastor elder here at, at Northridge Life. But I am honored because this is the first time he's brought the word congregationally. And I am unashamed to tell you guys, I love this guy. He has become a true brother in the Lord. He, he's, God has just gifted him with some wisdom to help guide the affairs of this church in a way that just, just blow my mind how much insight the Holy Spirit has given him. And you guys, as a congregation, are blessed by his presence in ways you probably don't even know. And I'm hoping that today you get greater insight into what a blessing he is to Northridge Life Church. So would you guys welcome Don Litton as he comes to the pulpit? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know who that guy is. Okay. Well, I want to. Maybe you're not supposed to do this, but I want to start off with a disclaimer. Okay. And uh, my disclaimer is is that I have a new grandson, and he's even there, to, even here today. He's sitting right over there, and his name is Kieran, and he's a couple months old. And because I have a new grandson, my, uh, I've reverted back to fatherhood in a way and that I tend to weave and bob a lot now and make faces, okay? So if you see me doing that, uh, you know, it's not even because he's here. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm just doing that, so I'm like, yeah. So anyway, but uh, we're going to, uh, let me give you a quick review because some of you have not been here, some of you are guests. A quick review of what we're doing. We've been going through this book called Forever Grace. And, uh, I mean, not Forever Grace, Proof. Okay, jumped ahead of myself. Proof and Proof, the letters P-R-O-O-F, are an acronym for several different things. And today we're on the final letter, okay? F as in the final letter. Okay, so Proof. And just a quick review here. Uh, Proof, the P stands for Planned Grace, R, Resurrecting Grace, O, outrageous grace, O, overcoming grace, and F, forever grace. And I'm going to be talking about forever grace today. So can I have the first slide here? This is something new for me. I'm usually a uh, a do-it-yourselfer on the slides, so uh, we're going to be trying to work through this. But uh, let me just quickly go. I I just threw up some verses to review uh, these uh, letters of the acronym. Plan grace is what God has done for us. And we can see in Ephesians 3 and 4 here, yay, okay, that uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in, every, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to, for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Okay, so uh, we have been, uh, our grace has been ordained for us, and God has chosen us. So that's the, that's the planned grace. And then we have the uh, resurrecting grace and outrageous grace. And these, these first three letters of proof are kind of a doctrinal, uh, hit the doctrinal aspect of grace, and doctrine meaning also, our vertical relationship with God. So we have the planned grace. God has, has chosen us. We have resurrecting grace and outrageous grace. And I have, hopefully, appearing on the screen, 
uh, what Christ has done for us. And I select passage would be uh, Ephesians 2. A lot of this stuff is out of Ephesians, but Ephesians 2, especially verses 4 through 7. Um, and it says in those verses, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. So we have some... Uh, this, this is just a good verse about the resurrecting grace and outrageous grace. And then we have the, uh, the next letter and the final letter, O and F, are the, the practical aspects of grace that we see in our daily lives. And uh, that's, a lot of it has to do with our horizontal relationships, the way we deal with one another. And there was overcoming grace, which you heard about last week. Uh, I was in Sunday school, so I didn't hear about it. So uh, I'm just kind of skating on thin ice here. But I want to say that uh, overcoming grace is what Christ has done for us, if that sounds familiar. And uh, we have in Ephesians, uh, especially 14 through 16. Yes, okay. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commands, commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two making peace and might reconcile us both to god in one body through the cross i like to see some things here um reconciling us both um in as, as paul's talking about it's the gentiles and the jews but it works for us as well we we practical aspect of this overcoming grace is that we can get along together and we should get along together and we're and we have been chosen and set aside by god to get along together and uh then we can all together get along with him and then we finally have the last aspect of grace the f forever grace and that's what god will continue to do for us so we we have covered it all what god has done for us what christ has done in us um, what Christ has done between us, and now what God will continue to do for us. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. All right. So as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about four different kinds of people. And they, these kind of morphed into in and out of one another because as people, we're complicated, all right? But uh, I, I have them in types, and we have type one, okay? Type one person um, is a person... Um, well, these, these are four different types of people that have had some kind of encounter with Christ. And I think it will be good in um, illustrating this idea of, of, of grace, forever grace. Well, the first person is uh, the person um, who thinks at one time they'd experienced God's grace and they, they lost it. They lost God's grace and they're, they're doomed forever. And uh, the first time I experienced this, not personally, for myself, but uh, long ago, uh, in the day, age of the dinosaurs. No, not that. It's when I was in college. Okay, kind of the same, but uh, just to, to let you know how different the world was then, one thing that we did in college is that we went to the dorms and went door to door 
talking to people about Christ. Now, I don't know if you do that at Tech or not, but uh, we did it at New Mexico State back in the day. And we ran into this guy, and he could not be consoled. He had somehow lost his salvation. We, could, we weren't clear on why that had happened. And uh, we could not help him. We could not say anything to him. And I thought, gosh, he's going to go through all his life thinking he's damned forever. That's, so this is, well, this is a kind of person, right? There's another kind of person. And this kind of person is a person who had some kind of encounter with Christ. They may have uh, prayed a prayer at a camp. They may have responded in a service. Uh, who knows, uh, at a, went forward in an evangelistic rally, this kind of thing. And, uh, but you know now, they're not really interested in spiritual things. They uh, Oftentimes they'll say, you know, I'm really not sure anymore if God really exists or the God of the Bible. Maybe there's a supernatural power out there that exists. Uh, so this kind of, they become kind of a deist. Um, they, uh, they don't have a personal, uh, the reality of a personal relationship with God anymore. And they seem to have had, and now they don't have. So, you know, we're talking to the topic, forever grace. So what's going on there? And uh, I was just... Uh, thinking about this this one girl that was the daughter of our friends that we partnered with on the mission field, and she's this kind of person. She's saying now she's not a Christian anymore. Okay, so maybe you know somebody like that. Okay, then there's a type three person, which is an extreme version of the type two person. That this person, and let me read you a little quote here. There was a uh, you remember just recently especially for our friends from Austin area, this guy that was setting these bombs and four people were killed. Do you all remember that? Yeah, it was, we weren't there in Austin, but I'm sure it would terrorize the community. Uh, he's described in, in the uh, media as raised by both parents in a Christian home. Condit reportedly walked away from his faith several years ago. So here's the kind of person that comes across as having been a Christian, according to the media, and walked away from his faith. And, he's, and oftentimes this kind of person becomes a pretty militant uh, type of atheist, very aggressive, uh, or they can become very condescending. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I believed that when I was little, you know, along with the tooth fairy and whatever. But now I've seen the whatever, and I don't believe that stuff anymore. So here's another kind of person. They seem to have had some kind of encounter with Christ, but now they're totally disbelieving in against him. Okay, and then finally, the last type of person is not type four, but type you, okay? So uh, you, me, you know, I think any one of us has experienced, maybe have experienced any one of these uh, kinds of uh, feelings, uh, ideas, whatever in in the past, where you're like, eh, I'm not sure, am I really saved? Uh, you know, this kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, maybe you haven't blown anybody up, <laughs> but maybe you have. Have you blown up a relationship? Have you blown up in anger at at somebody? Have you just totally trash somebody 
And, and it's like, where did that come from? Where is God's grace, transforming grace in my life? I, what happened to me? So I think, um, you know, these are, ve- I think, very real problems, and they're very real issues. I think they touch each of us. And so we need to have a good foundation in order to deal with those. And I think forever grace is a, is a good foundation. So that if we understand the truth of forever grace, it's really helpful in um, dealing with these issues. Now, we tend to look at these things as um, through, the, uh, through the relationships we have. And we, we look at God and how he saves and how he deals with people with great passion and emotion because we know the people and feel for them who have drifted, fallen, or won't come. But we really need to look at it through the eyes of, of God and what he says in his word and look at the people through what the Bible says. And so um, I think one good, thing, one good way to approach this is, first of all, to realize that um, grace is an activity of the Trinity. Now, if you look in the Bible, you will never find the word Trinity. But you see, we know God is three and one because we see this happening. We see this expressed in many times in many ways in the Bible. And one of those ways is salvation and grace and God's giving his, calling us to himself. So um, let's look at the first part here. And that's Paul Paul writes about the activity of God our Father. So let's look at the Father. He writes in uh, Philippians 1.6. So here it is. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Okay, who's he writing to? The saints at Philippi. And he being, who's he? He. He starts off by talking about God our Father. So God our Father has... uh, has done something with them. He began a good work, and he's going to continue that work. So God continuing something. God is forever. God's work in us is forever, all right? So he, he uh, and also he recognizes that, and he's expressing to them that God has done something in their lives. And why does he say that? Because he sees something happening to them, a good work. There's a good work. Something's happening in their lives. He recognizes it. God's doing something. They are recipients of God's grace. And that uh, it's going to continue. This work of grace is going to continue forever. All right? So that's a good thing. They, uh, and so then what are they doing? Later on, it talks about in the passage how there's several things I just wrote down. They are praying. They're living in righteousness. And they're even suffering for the grace, for the sake of Christ. So that's uh, some of those things that are, are the, the work that he's seen in their lives. So that's the work of the Father, okay? So this, let's look at grace as the work of the Father. Now let's work at, look at grace as the work of the Son. The Son promises to carry out our salvation to the end. So here's Hebrews 12, 2 appearing on the screen, yes. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now that's grace, and that's good news. Jesus himself, risen from the dead, seated at the right hand of God in a position of power and authority. And what is he doing? He is 
perfecting our faith. He finds our, is the founder of our faith and the perfecter of our faith. Okay, this is solid foundational truth. Jesus, risen from the dead, seated at the right hand of God, is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Okay, so we're laying the groundwork for just the, uh, just the steadfast solidness of grace. And uh, may God give us eyes to see that and spiritual understanding and wisdom to see him seated at the right hand. What that means for us as we live out our lives here on earth. Okay, and then there's the work of the Spirit. Okay, so we're talking about the Trinity, how, how the saving grace of God and sustaining grace of God and the forever grace of God is seen in the Trinity. So we had the Father, the Son, now the Spirit. Okay, and in the Spirit, we can see, we can read in, what is Second 2 Corinthians 1, 2, okay, great, super. All right, uh, there's the work of the Spirit, and the work of the Spirit guarantees our salvation to the end, okay? He's put his seal on us and give us his Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And I, I really like this. Now, let's talk about this for a second. Um, these days, you can go on the Internet, and you can buy something uh, on the Internet, okay, right? You don't even have to go down to Walmart. You can go on the Internet. You can buy something. And oftentimes, these days, it's kind of, a, kind of a new phenomenon. It'll ship directly from the place of manufacture, which often is China, okay? So, uh, so somebody, I just read a, a little review. A guy had ordered an, some kind of iWatch, you know, that has all kinds of features and functions on it. And he ordered it, and it came from China, directly from China. And uh, it had all these functions, and it cost $16, Okay, so uh, what kind of guarantee do you think that watch has? You know, if you could read the convoluted English on the thing, it said, and we, believe me, we deal with convoluted English, my wife and I, in our work. Okay, it may say there's a two-year guarantee, okay, but is there? No, of course not. Do you trust that guarantee? No, okay. If, if you have a problem with it, you think you're going to send it back and they're going to send you a new one? No, okay. All right. Yes, guarantee, okay. But we have a guarantee here. We're established, whoops, okay, let's go back. Okay, yeah, okay. We're established in Christ and his spirit is a uh, guarantee. So this is God's spirit. That's a guarantee. Um, and that is a guarantee that we can trust. Now, uh, does that mean that we can be happy all the day? No, we all know that. We're all realists. Uh, life isn't easy for us. And there's no one in this room that can say life is easy for me. And I really understand that and realize that. I don't want to make light of it. But his spirit is a guarantee. Let's go on to the next verse. Um, yes. Um, for why we, we are still in this tent, we are grown, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. In the hard times of life, we have the Spirit as a guarantee that the work He began, the work of grace He began in our life, He's going to continue. All right, so... 
That's the Spirit's role, is to guarantee and sustain that, that work of grace. So the entire Trinity is responsible for our, for our salvation from beginning to end. Now, we, this is our foundation, the work of the Trinity, the eternal, all-powerful God reaching down, touching us, changing us forever. That's, that's the foundation. Now, how can this uh, help these four people that, or these four groups that I talked about? Okay. Well, uh, God pre- it works out in that God preserves us, okay? He preserves us in his grace as evidenced by putting his seal on us. So there's, um, let's see if we have a verse for that. Okay. We'll be getting to a, per- a verse on that in just a moment. So God's, but it does talk about being sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk a little bit about sealing, the sealing business, because if God has put his Holy Spirit as a seal on us, and therefore we can experience grace forever, it's important we understand and appreciate what a seal is. And I know we all know what a seal is, but I brought some, some props today. I brought some things to talk about seals, all right? Because I think, I've, it was, for me, it was really fruitful to think about that. And the first kind of seal is one that we're very commonly used, and this is a seal that's on an envelope, all right? So here's an envelope, and it says, Don and Kim Litton. So it was addressed to me and my wife, and so... The contents of this envelope belong to who? To me, right? It's addressed to me. I own the contents of this envelope. And uh, they're protected by, but not anymore. <laughs> I broke the seal. There's a seal here that protects these, uh, these contents, all right? So that's one of the functions of a seal. And, you know, if you really think about it, we talk about being in Christ. It's like, there's, this is Christ, and... We're in him, and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's kind of a cool thing. But going back to this letter, you know, letters are an amazing thing because you can put something in a letter, and you can send it anywhere in the world, and most likely it's going to arrive unopened. People respect the seal, okay? So that's a powerful thing. But in this day and age, um, we don't trust this kind of seal so much, so... Some people have a mailbox, you know, like this mailbox in the street that has everybody's box in it, and you have a key to open it, right? Because we don't just trust the mail to be piled up there. Like in China, you would go there, and all your mail, all the mail of everybody would be on a table, and you just sorted through it till you found your letter, you know? So that's not the case here. We have boxes with keys, and we have, even we have uh, safety deposit boxes in banks, you know, to put things in, that we want to uh, that we want to keep safe, and this kind of seal though signifies possession. You know, the the person under the lock and, or the the contents under the lock and key or under the seal are possession of the one who owns it. And God is in possession; He possesses us, and that's marked by the seal of the Holy Spirit on our life. So let's look at a verse here. In John, um, a couple of verses, John six thirty nine, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose, lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. 
All right. Possession. We belong to Jesus. He's not going to lose us. Let's go on to the next verse. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Being held in God's hand is a great matter of possession, but it's also a matter of protection. Okay, so I have another seal here. Okay, here's our Ziploc bag, okay? And the great cool thing about it is it has a seal on it, right? And you can seal the, ba- the bag shut. Now, why do we do that? Why do we seal the bag? We want to lock in freshness, right? Do I sound like a commercial? Okay, but it does, right? Or, um, you know, one thing that we like to do is uh, we, like to, we like aged beef. So what we do is we go to United and we buy all the beef that's on sale because it's like freeze this immediately or eat it, you know. So it's pretty aged. And we put it in the Ziploc bag and we seal it. Now, how long can that stay in that Ziploc bag? Theoretically. Forever. Forever, right? I mean, as far as we're concerned. Because why? It is protected, all right? And this is another aspect of the Holy Spirit as a seal, given to us as a seal. It, he protects us, all right? So, um, and he protects us for how long? Forever, yes. He protects us forever. Now, uh, and this is the point. He protects the eternal life that we have because if it wasn't uh, eternal life, oh, let's not, let me put this another way. I have it written down right here. Okay. Uh, the life that we, God has given us can never leave us because if it did, it wouldn't be eternal. Okay, so, so this protection, right, uh, that we have as a seal of the Holy Spirit. And then there's another type of seal here. One more. Uh, okay, and that's the seal that is on a document. So here's a document here. This is, uh, this is a, uh, a diploma. Now, many... There's, this is the time of year where many people are graduating, and when you graduate, you get a diploma. And what does that diploma say? It says, congratulations, you graduated. It, it's, it implies, it signifies that you have gone through a course of study. And it, and it can be not just a college diploma. It can be a certificate, a welding certificate. It can be a cosmetology. Did I say that word right? Okay. Uh, Certificate, you know, all these things that you go and see in people's office says you have done something and you have changed. And to prove it, that you've changed and you now you have knowledge or skills or whatever, we're going to issue a document and on it is a seal. So here's this little seal. Can you see it shining? Is it shining in the light? Okay, that's a, I, I picked this one here because this particular diploma has a seal on it that looks cool, all right? So, now you don't think of it, but really, in China, I had a diploma that didn't have a gold seal on it, and they didn't like it. They wanted one with a shiny gold, and if it was red, it would even be better, okay? Sealing signifies something has happened, and you're changed, and it's true. You are changed. Think about it. You go to school, you get any kind of training, 
you're changed. You, you have skills or knowledge or something that you didn't have before. And can that go away? It can't go away. It's forever. No, knowledge can go away. Okay. But, you know. <laughs> All right. Thank you. It can go away. All right. No, it can't go away. Things have happened. There's real changes that happen in your life. And that's just from training or an education signified by a seal. And this is the kind of seal the Holy Spirit is on us also. And it's this, what this says here is that me, uh, I've learned something and they guarantee that I accomplish all the things I'm supposed to do to earn this. And so you now can hire me because I'm bona fide. All right? I know something. I have value. This says it, okay? So, the Holy Spirit, as this kind of seal, says what? We're bona fide. We've received grace. We have been changed. We are different now. And no, we won't forget it. We, we might try to forget it, but it doesn't matter. And, and something may happen to our minds or our health or our body, and we may forget. But does that mean we're, that we didn't we weren't changed? No, it doesn't. Because it's God that does the changing. Okay, so, so that's... Um, I think I have another verse up there. And this is Ephesians. Um, Ephesians, yes, good. Uh, in him all, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. You know, God's not going to default on his payment and his seal is real and effective. He possesses us, he protects us, and here's the proof of it is the Holy Spirit in our life. So that's God's preservation of us. But that's not the only part of forever grace. There's another part of it, and that's um, going to be uh, there's preservation and then there's the uh, perseverance, okay? And so this, uh, you know, just using this as an example, this diploma, you know, you graduate or you, you finish something and you go forward and you have a choice. You can, you can continue cutting hair or welding or auto mechanics. You can continue doing those things and you live out those changes or you can decide and go do something else. It still has happened to you. In the case of the Holy Spirit, we uh, are to walk out those changes in our life. So um, let's talk about perseverance a little bit. What is perseverance? Okay, first of all, what, what per- perseverance is not, and I hope I can see Ephesians 4, 1, something come up here. And... Uh, Perseverance is not us partnering with God to be saved. Okay, this is not perseverance. Part is to keep us saved. Partnering, perseverance, what it says here in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This is the perseverance that indicates that the Holy Spirit has sealed you that God's in his grace 
has saved you. And Paul tells Ephesians to live out a life worthy of the calling they have already received. Okay? You've already received it. Now work it out. Walk it out. You're not walking it out to earn it. All right? So this aspect of, of forever grace is, empowers us to walk out the calling that he's of, of him on his life. So God does the calling, and if we are trusting Jesus, Jesus, it's because he has called us. And he transforms us and works through us, so we grow in holiness and never let go. So even our perseverance are, is the work of God. So let's move on to uh, Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and work for his good pleasure. All right. So, gosh, we can, even in working out our salvation, we need his spirit. And he gives us his spirit to, uh, to do that. It's, that's an aspect of forever grace. So the, uh, the person that's afraid that they, that they uh, lost their salvation, they don't understand that there's a real change that's happened and that God provides power to walk it out. And the person that has become disinterested in God, you know, we need to remind them that God is doing something in the lives of people that he's called to himself. And if you don't see that happening and you don't care that it's not happening, could be that there's, there never was a work that was happening. To be, there was never that uh, salvation to begin with. So if a person does not persevere to the end, they don't have faith in the first place. Uh, okay, that's a really strong truth. And we can read about it in 1 John 2.19. They went out from us, but they were not of us for if they had been of us they would have continued with us but they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us so there is a change that we should see we need to see and if we don't see it there wasn't a change that happened so the forever grace it starts and continues it doesn't start and stop start and stop change go back it it starts and continues so God's grace is free and forever, and when he lavishes his grace on you, it changes you. It's not just a pardon for your sin. It's his power at work in your powerless life. The followers of Jesus are described as new creations. Old things about them have passed away. So how's this seen? So um, let me ask you some questions. Do you find yourself, maybe in spite of yourself, praying, reading the Bible, Choosing to fellowship with other people that may be different than you, but with whom you share Jesus in common. Do you, do you find that happening? Okay. Do you realize that you're sinning less and doing the right things more? Have you seen that trend in your life? Okay, these are, these are things that should be happening uh, for a person that's received God's grace because it's forever. It's not something that happens back there and it's over it starts, it's a beginning, it's like a, uh, the planting of a seed that grows up into a, a big tree. Our lives should be changing, moving along 
to be more Christ-like. Let me ask another one. Are you able now to love others more and in more practical ways that once you'd never dreamed of? Like maybe I don't like people. And now you find that, gosh, you care about somebody that you're not even related to. It's not even your family. They're church folks. They're fellow believers. You know, that's a change. And for some people, that some people are naturally loving. They don't notice that. But some are not naturally loving, and they notice this, this kind of change. So this is... Uh, and, but it does, it's something that you need to persevere and, and to, to live in it. And God expects that we have, in experiencing this forever grace, that, w- that we change, all right? And that he's doing the author of that change. So uh, I say, for the type you person, the Holy Spirit-empowered perseverance is a proof of grace. So God's work in us makes us long and love holiness. And uh, there's a really good example in Second Corinth- in Corinthians, all right? Remember in Corinthians, uh, there's a guy. Church in Corinth was a wild and crazy place uh, because they were young believers and they were enthusiastic. And they always say, what do you prefer? The enthusiasm and messiness of the nursery or the quiet solemnity of the cemetery? Well, this was a nursery, okay? This was a nursery of people and they were going crazy uh, but they were exhibiting signs of grace. And, but there's this one guy, and you know the story. He took, was having some kind of uh, sexual relationships with his father's wife. Okay, Maybe it's, it wasn't his mother, but his stepmother or something. Anyway, he didn't want to stop that. And uh, Paul basically said, let this guy needs to be excommunicated. He needs to undergo church discipline and uh, have nothing to do with him because of this, this attitude he has. And it was a corrective thing because, you know what? And so later on in Second Corinthians, and they think it's the same guy, he was restored because why? God took that time of discipline and, and excommunication and did a work in his life where he realized he was in sin, he was grieving God, he was grieving the community, and he turned back again. And Paul said, receive him back now and support him up and give him, encourage him. Now, this was a guy that did, he blew up the people in his life. But a real change had happened in, in him. Grace had entered his life and he was changed, and he remained uh, changed, and he returned back to God. And his return is evidence of the change work in his life. But it was messy. So the Bible actually warns us to persevere as well. And warnings are a means of God's grace. So we're... Uh, Perseverance is not perfection, but it's a new direction, and it's a direction of doing good. So we labor in doing good, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15.10. By the grace grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me 
was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. This aspect of forever grace, it's great that we are saved forever. But we have the responsibility of working hard. And Paul, you know, super, super saint, uh, super missionary, whatever, he says, I worked harder than anybody. You think, gosh, he could kick back a bit. But no, he worked harder than anybody because he so much realized and felt the press of God on, on his life to be all he could be for Christ. And uh, he had to work. Uh, look at these words. They worked harder. Um, you know, you had this sense uh, of him striving through his life. And you can read about it, his life. It was not an easy life. He ended up getting killed. But uh, that was an aspect of, of God's grace in his life, was that he forever in his life, uh, uh, God began a forever work in his life, and he lived it out. Okay. So, um, there's, there's the uncomfortable um, situation where people deny the Lord after saying uh, they were a Christian, after they came to Christ. Then they deny the Christ. And, you know, what does that mean? But, you know, uh, in the Gospels, Jesus is talking about that time when people will come before the Lord and uh, to be uh, basically judged, their works will be judged. And uh, there's a thing where some say, we did this in your name and that in your name and we did this in your name. And, you know, it's the sheep and goats judgment. And what does Jesus say to them? Some of them, he says, he says, depart from me. I never knew you. He didn't say, hey, depart from me. I knew you, but then I didn't know you. I knew you, but I didn't know you. And you died when I didn't know you. Sorry. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. It doesn't matter what they did. He said, I never knew you. Why? Because they never received the grace of God. They never responded to his call. So, um, there's, uh, where there is no perseverance in faithfulness, there was no faith in the first place. All right? So, that's a real important aspect. We don't run out of steam and in our Christian life. Okay, so... Um, the biblical teaching of living in, in the covenant is really crucial at this point to understand. Is that, uh, you know, Abraham had a, uh, God made promises to Abraham. He knew Abraham couldn't fulfill it. They had this ceremony where actually they took the animals, split them in half. God went through because he knew that Abraham could not fulfill his part. And, uh, you know, that's what God has done for us. And Jesus said... Uh, and we just, we just had the Lord's Supper, and it was read for us. And I think I have this slide here, Luke 22. Uh, it said, And when he took bread, and when he gave him thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant of my blood. Jesus 
performed the whole covenant for us. It's not like a, a contract where we do our part, he does his part. God knows we can do our part. Jesus did it all. So Jesus, uh, in whom we are in, as in the envelope, is uh, keeping, keeping us in the covenant of God and the promises of God that are for us. So once again, in, in John 10, it says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So we are firmly in the grasp, and that is part of, and of the one who lives forever. Therefore, the grace is forever. So it also means uh, that grace, Jesus, never forgets us because we are his sheep. He knows us, and we follow him. We follow his voice. So... Again, another uh, passage, I think, uh, that we are, are his sheep and he will take care of us and God will continue to do that. So let's move on to application. We're kind of running short on time. But uh, it's uh, position versus practice. And our practice is we can work out forever grace in our practice. It's... Uh, it's, okay, it's what God will forever do with us. And we should see that experience. We can see that experience in at least three ways. And one is, is that we have a new unity. And can I have uh, maybe Ephesians 4? Yes, okay. So uh, part the idea of this here is the, that we are being equipped for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body, till we all attain a unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ. That we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather than speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head, unto Christ. So this is walking out forever grace is this unity and this, this drive to see one another raised up and presented uh, full, uh, presented full and mature in Christ. So that's, we have a, a kind of a new unity as uh, members of, recipients of God's grace. We also have a new walk. And in Ephesians um, chapter 4, it says, it talks about putting off the old self. And um, put off the old self belongs to your former manner of life and to, to walk in uh, be renewed in the spirit of your minds, put on a new self, created after the likeness of God. So it's like, um, you know, I have a four-year-old grandson, and he's learning how to get dressed. And he doesn't always do it right, but he's learning. And the same way for us, we learn to put on the new self. And sure, there's mistakes and things that go wrong, but we're getting dressed. We're learning to get dressed. And so we have... As uh, pers- people who have received grace, we are growing in putting on Christ. All right, so I just want to, um, I have a quote here. Let me, let's go on to the quote here. That, uh, it's uh, from C.S. Lewis. He says, uh, this is why daily praying and religious reading and church going are necessary parts of the Christian life. We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. So 
this is our, our new walk, is feeding that. Okay, and finally we have our new strength. And our new strength is uh, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. And, you know, it's like, um, I was thinking, it's like Christian life sometimes like digging a hole. You know, uh, Doug Smith, who's a member of our body here, he's got a, a business where he builds pools. Now, what if he had to dig a hole for the pool by hand with a shovel? It's a hard job. What happens? You get tired, you give up, you need help. But what happens if you had a front-end loader to dig that hole, a bulldozer? You know, the Holy Spirit, in a way, is a bulldozer in our life. He gives us the strength to do hard jobs, and living our lives for Christ is a hard job. So, in conclusion, um, let me ask you these questions. Do you have a unified relationship with God's people that you did not have before? Do you see a life trending towards holiness and increasing victory over God? Do you live your life more and more each day with power from God? You know, if you can answer yes to any of those questions or to all those questions, you're a changed person and you've been changed by grace. And that change will last forever. Why? Because it's being empowered and it's being done by Jesus who sit at the right hand of God, who's living forever. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. So this is a super encouraging, great thing about God's grace is it's something he's doing that will last forever. So if you're somebody that has some questions about, you say, I've been wrestling with some issues to deal, deal with this, if you have questions, you can come and talk to me or Mark or other elders uh, because it's a freeing thing to walk in forever grace because he has done it all. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace that you've lavished upon us. We thank you that we can walk with you and that we know you. And it's not because of us, not anything we've done, not our own strength and ability, but because of Christ and what he's done for us and for his, his uh, strength and ability. And we ask now that you would empower us more and more by your Holy Spirit to do the walk of faith, to, to live our lives as you've called us to do so. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.